Oh, and how good it is to be here with all of you. What a delight each and every opportunity we get to be together in this way. And for those of you who don't know me, I'd love to introduce myself. My name is Kevin Sanders, and I get the joy of serving as lead pastor here at Hope Church. And I'm just delighted to get to know you, to see you. You could have done anything this morning, and you chose to come to worship here at Hope today. And we are just deeply blessed by your presence. We say it often, but if you are new, you make us better simply by being here. God has made you uniquely and wonderfully, and you bless us by being in our midst today. So it's our prayer that we are also a blessing to you. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's a good morning. Now we are going to jump into God's word for us today. But first, I, I just have to start by saying this. I need you all to know this about me. I'm not needy, okay? I'm not needy. I mean, I do like things to be a certain way. Like, I have rearranged the dishwasher, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about? And I've done that before. I like a certain amount of, like, ice in my cup and all those things. So I'm particular, but I'm not needy, okay? And okay, I get antsy when someone doesn't text me back within, like, two minutes, you know? And in like five minutes, I'm starting to really freak out and question a lot of things. And I might need Meg's help uh, every single time we're trying to decide what's for dinner. I can't do that on my own. That's a marriage decision, not a Kevin decision. So I like communication, but I'm not needy, right? And I'm human, so maybe I want you all to like me. So, you know, if I say something kind of funny, I really hope you laugh. And if I get all fired up and passionate and excited, I expect you to, like, stand up out of your seats and yell and all that stuff. But I'm not needy. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm so needy. I am so needy. And laugh all you want, because guess what? You're needy, too. I'm not going to give you examples, but we're all needy, right? We are so needy. I mean, just one example. I asked someone this week in the office, give me an example of someone being needy. And he said, what about those movie stars? I said, yes. Think about it. We watch these movies. We know Meryl Streep can act. She brings it, right? We watch it and we tell someone like, oh, Meryl, she's a pretty good actress. And then they hold award ceremonies for these people. And we get to watch them accept awards. We already know they're good. Then they televise it for us all to see how good they are, and then people tell us how good they are too. We don't need to know they are good. We can see it for ourselves. Humans are needy. Humans are needy. But praise God, we're not here to worship ourselves like those award shows seem to do, right? We are here to worship God and bask in awe of the God who has no needs. God is self-sufficient. That's what we're talking about today, that God, he has no needs. He has no needs. He does not depend on anyone or anything else for anything. He has never once lacked for anything. He is fully and completely autonomous. Look at what it says in God's true word, Acts 17. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs. Why? For he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. 
Pastor Curry helped frame this really well for us last week when he shared with us God has no, had no need to create anyone or anything. He is in his very being fully and totally complete. He is in every facet self-sufficient. Can you imagine for a minute if God did have needs? Just think about that. If God had needs, if, if he had needs, it suggests there's something he lacks. If he has needs, it suggests there's someone else who could meet his need. That means someone else would have something that God doesn't have himself, which would suggest they have some power over God. But we know God is all-powerful. We know none is more powerful than him. He is utterly and completely without need. Look at this quote from A.W. Tozer. He put it this way. To admit the existence of a need in God is to admit incompleteness in the divine being. Need is a creature word and cannot be spoken of the creator. God has a voluntary relation to everything he has made, but he has no necessary relation to anything outside of himself. His interest is his creature, in his creatures, arises from his sovereign good pleasure not from any need those creatures can supply, nor from any completeness they can bring to him who is complete in himself. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that such a comfort? See, God doesn't need us. X said human hands cannot serve his needs. Now, on the one hand, that's like, ouch, right? We like to be needed. Right? Do you like to be needed? Maybe not all the time if someone's needy, like me, in, in your life. But we like to be needed, and God doesn't need us. But in reality, doesn't that reveal such a great gift? That he doesn't need us, but he created us anyway. Put it this way, Jen Wilkin from the book None Like Him says this, Our God is self-sufficient, needed by all, and needful of nothing. See, amazingly, despite God's self-sufficiency, God chose to create us. And he doesn't just, he didn't choose to create us to kind of like observe us. Like, did any of you have like an ant farm ever in your room? You could just watch the ants and, oh, that one died, that's too bad. And, oh, that one's struggling, that's too bad. That one's trying to carry a Lay's potato chip, that's, that's cool. Right? He doesn't just observe us like animals in a zoo or like ants in a cage. He entered into an ongoing and long-suffering relationship with us. He didn't need to. He chose to. Starting in the Garden of Eden, throughout the history of Israel in the Old Testament, God dwells among his people. All of Scripture tells us of God coming close. Consider the Incarnation. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. If we're honest, each of us regularly takes the miracle of Jesus for granted. The eternal, self-sufficient God in need of no one and nothing, became that which he creates. Embracing willingly limits, 
and experiencing every human need. Does that fill you with wonder? Does that fill you with a sense of awe? Of majesty? That God came down? Does it draw you into that desire to, to worship? I mean, think about it. God, he is the only one, truly the only one who is fully independent. He's not dependent on anyone or anything. He then chose to be dependent. He chose to live with limits. He chose to dwell. The Word became flesh, meaning Jesus Christ embraced humanity, embraced all our neediness and all of our limitations. To be born a baby who is fully dependent on his mom to nourish him, to be a child fully having to submit to his parents to learn and to grow, to be obedient to his earthly parents. Even the simple act of eating, the most basic of needs that we all have, he had to experience for the first time the need to eat. The simple needs of food and water and even sleep, the God of no needs experienced in the flesh every human need. But he's also, he's so fascinating, right? Everything God does, he turned his newfound humanly needs into an opportunity. Also, by the way, he could have let go of all those needs anytime he wanted. He was God. He's all-powerful. It was his choice to live within those limits during the duration of his earthly stay here as Jesus, right? He chose those limits at all times to, to, to live in that way. But he turned his newfound humanly needs into an opportunity. Consider every time you read of Jesus— how many times he sits at the table with others. He turned his need to eat into an opportunity to gather around the tables with others. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. What was he known for? For being a man who would eat with the tax collectors and the sinners. They call him a drunkard and a glutton because of how often he feasted with the least of these. He turned a need into an opportunity. Even his rest, he modeled biblical rest for us. He needed to rest for the first time, so he rested, but he also modeled what it meant to live in a biblical, healthy model of rest, to, to pray and to rely on God, to show us the way to live a life dependent on God. For we know, Jesus said, he came only to do the Father's will. We know he lives in complete uh, 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 laying his life down. He lives a life of servitude. He came not to be served. He came to serve. Can you fathom this? The God of no needs chose this. I have another quote from Jen Wilkin. It's a longer quote, but it really helps us start to actually wrap our brains around this and how wild this is. The same Jesus who, in his deity, miraculously met the needs of so many, know firsthand in his humanity what it meant to need. Human Jesus experienced the full range of human need. He needed food, water, air, shelter, clothing. He needed rest. He needed the community and the comfort of disciples. Even God in the flesh was not a human version of the Energizer Bunny, it is true that God cannot be tempted. 
that would reveal a need. A tent is something that someone holds power over him. Yet Jesus, in his humanity, was tempted in every way as we are. And we set for us an example of how to respond to temptation born out of need. Hungry and thirsty from 40 days of fasting, weakened by his need, Jesus responded to Satan's offers of autonomy by affirming the all-sufficient will of his Father. You remember that in the, in the desert, Satan trying to tempt him and his experience of deepest human need. But Jesus knows what we're longing to know, that God is the only one who's all-sufficient. Satan can offer him nothing that he doesn't already have in God, and that he already isn't himself being Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are not lost in our own endless need. We are not hopeless in our own endless need. He has shown us the way to live fully dependent on our self-sufficient God. He hasn't just shown us the way to live. He is our way. He is our life. It's unfathomable. It's unfathomable. So how does knowing God is self-sufficient change our lives? Well, the first thing, if you're feeling it to me, I feel a great sense of comfort. Isn't this so comforting? I mean, consider this. While everything else in this life will continue to fade and wither away, the children of God can rest in the knowledge that God never will. He does not degrade. He does not rot. He does not spoil. God is, period. He is all of him, fully and completely, at all times and without end. I get great comfort from that. And I also think it recalibrates us, doesn't it? The world longs for us to believe this lie that we are self-sufficient. You know what I'm talking about, right? You are enough. You can do it. I already joked about that you can dream it, you can do it, but which is a bunch of baloney. You got this, right? How about this expression? Just pull yourselves up by your bootstraps, right? You know this term. You you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you just get after it and you can do it, right? That term was originally used at, to describe something as impossible. How telling is it that it's been twisted into basically like, I don't know, American slogan, right? You just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We, we use that now to say, if you try hard enough, you can achieve anything you want. Guess what? On your own, it's impossible. We took a phrase that was once used as impossible and took it and made it a rallying cry, which just shows you how much we are all held captive to this lie that we can be truly self-sufficient. We desperately, desperately want to have what it takes to meet all the demands of this world, all the demands of our dreams, and of our responsibilities. We can do a pretty good job on our own power, a little bit anyway, for a little bit of time, but it won't last. Because when we're honest, our draw towards being self-sufficient, it's just another form of our pride. Thinking that we can do this, thinking we have the power to do this, thinking we're smart enough to do this, thinking we're capable enough to do this on our own power, which we are not. 
Self-sufficiency, it's just a fantasy because it blinds us to God's provision and God's presence. Apart from God's word, do you ever think of your life as a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes? Because that's what James tells us. Our life is but a mist, and then it vanishes. Or like in Isaiah, withering grass. Our life is but a blink, and it withers. It is scary and humbling to consider our utter lack of strength and resources apart from Christ. We are created dependent, and we are sinful by nature. Our lives are fragile, and we have no power on our own to meet our own deep needs. You know how I know this? Because we were all once a toddler. And whoever raised you will attest that you can't do it on your own. I'd written a, down an example, but it's just funny how life brings you more examples. Just last night, uh, I'm with a Daisy. She's three years old, and she wanted to get her jammies on all on her own. She does pretty good, right? She got, she got her, her cozy pants on, and she was trying to get her shirt on, but it was uh, uh, backwards. So she's trying to get her arms in, and she's just like got herself in this like, like trap, right? And she is screaming, and she is flailing and wailing, all right? So another day with a three-year-old. <laughs> and I am right there, fully capable, fully willing to lovingly assist her. Come in and show her, I can help you. If we just move this arm and put this, I can help you. I don't even have to do it all. Just look at me, rely on me, and I'll show you that this, we can do this. But did she? Oh, no. She wailed and she screamed and she flailed for minutes to the point where like Meg came in like, how we doing? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we cannot do it all. We cannot do it all. We cannot do it all. Jesus made this abundantly clear. Look, we, you know what he said. We just spent a whole series talking about this. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit. And what's that last part? For apart from me, you can do nothing. We all try to go it alone. And we all fail miserably. And if it still hasn't honed in for you in the book the, that we've been using that the Ladies Life Group is going through, Jen shows us some marks of self sufficiency and see if this if you've ever fallen into this the first sign that we might be trying to go it our own way is that we stop praying or our prayers lessen this prayerlessness we think we can do it all so why would we ever seek god or we start to get a bit forgetful of god's faithfulness we 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 forget that god has provided meaning he will provide again or maybe we just recognize that we start to get really angry when things go hard and are not going well. Because hardship, what does it reveal? Our limitations. Nothing's hard for one without limits. We have limitations. So when things get hard, it reveals our limitations. We get angry at our exposed need. What else? If we're trying to go it our own way, that means we lack a conviction of personal sin. Jesus talked about that. Why look at the speck in your brother's eye when you got a log in your own? Another way is 
sometimes we read scripture, we even hear messages, and instead of personalizing it and seeing, seeing ourselves in it, we just view it as kind of a, a general admonition that doesn't apply to us, right? I mean, we all fall into this. I mean, we have discussed before the importance of living within our limits, how that is such a beautiful gift that God gives us. Another side of that, very similar to that, is to live fully dependent, fully surrendered to God. Which means we must accept our own frailty and admit, yes, we are needy. We are needy. But the beauty, the beauty, when we admit we are needy, we can be reminded that Jesus Christ has already met our greatest need. What did he go to the cross for? To bring you life. He has met our greatest need. He did not just come to show us how to live. He came to bring us life. As it says in Romans, God shows us his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He met us in our deepest need, and he provided the way. Out of his great love, he fully and completely dealt with our greatest need. So how much more will he supply us all of our lesser needs? Paul writes in Philippians, the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Tied to that, do you know the difference between a need and a want? So what's our response? It must be a heart-level, praised-filled, radical, daily dependence on God. From his glorious riches, God will take care of you and give you all your needs. Will you give your life to him and live fully dependent on him? In a world that celebrates self-sufficiency, Friends, we must admit and name that that's a complete joke. A God-blessed and God-honoring life is a life of total and complete surrender. It's to take up the Jesus way. It is to embrace his gentle and his lowly heart. And to do that, we must lay down our pride. Lay down our pride. We are all that tantruming toddler trying to go it our own when God is standing right there ready to give us what we need. Lay down the facade that we have it all to, have it all together. None of us do. We are all deeply needy. Will we rely on God to fulfill our need? Because if God, not at all out of need, but fully out of his love and care for his creation, humbled himself to the point of dwelling among us, then we know we too can humble ourselves and not go it alone, but to depend on him. He is the living example. He is gentle and lowly in heart. So we will lay down our pride again and humbly accept his invitation to rely on him. In other words, remember your frailty. <laughs> God created us, after all, to need him. 
In the garden, Adam and Eve had needs. Chief among them was communion with God. Our neediness is not a product of our sinfulness. Do you see that? We are needy by God's divine design. He created us to need him. But like Adam and Eve, we seek to go our own way and try and fulfill our own needs. But a depleted, excuse me, a depleted phone's battery cannot charge itself. Have you ever tried that? Phone, charge. Guess what? It won't. Unless it has an external power source. It needs power from the outside. And so do we. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the answer. He is capable. He is sufficient. And it is a joy to depend on him. For in our dependence, he fulfills our greatest need. And out of a life dependent on God, we're then reminded he's also given us a purpose. He called us to further his kingdom. Not because he needs us to, but because he wanted us to. Will we meet his desire with our own? To see his goodness spread through our own faithful and radical dependence. He doesn't need you, but he does choose you. He chose you. He chose you. That's unfathomable. He chose you. So let's give him all we got because that's what he gave us. You cannot do it all, but you can put your faith in the one who can. While everything else will continue to fade and wither away, the children of God can rest in the knowledge and the comfort that God never will, because we serve an all-sufficient Savior. Praise be to God Almighty. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we acknowledge all you are and all we are not. And we are humbled and we simply give you thanks. We worship you. We adore you. Through the power of your spirit, God, continue to draw us ever closer to you. We take comfort in your word that says you will never give up on us. But God, we need you <laughs> to be reminded again of who you are and how you've called us to live and of the deep need that is present in each and every one of us. We thank you for your son Jesus for showing us the way, for bearing our burdens, for going to the cross for us, God, and for giving us new life. So God, we pray we will not waste this beautiful life you have given us. You have chosen to give us a purpose, to be your hands and feet, to further your kingdom, to advance your kingdom until you see fit to come again. So Lord, we surrender. We once again offer you our life. We admit that we need you. We admit that we're nothing without you. God, may you be our life. 
and may we give our life in service to you. Thank you, God, for how good you are. Thank you that while everything else withers and fades, you never will. You are more than sufficient, God. So we praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stand, let's respond to God and sing.